hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you give to each and every one of us. We thank you that we have the opportunity to come and worship you. And we thank you that you give us your word that allows us to see your true character and who you are. So Lord, as we spend this time together, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, over the past five weeks, we have been doing a series called Reset. And the reason why we're doing this series called Reset is because it's been quite a year. You know, since March uh, 2020 uh, until now, you know, we're starting to feel and starting to see the the, the normalcy, if you will, come back. And, and and while I, I, I celebrate the normalcy that we, can, that we have coming back, I don't want us to, to just stay in what we had before. I want us to move forward. And, and something that I've been thinking about, and I've, I've felt this for, for a while, is that, that I honestly believe that, that God is wanting to do something really big in our church. It, God, God is, is preparing something for us that, that we don't quite know what it is, but, but I do know about our God, and it is going to be something that will be worthwhile. You all know that I, I like to, to play around with a, a Kamado Joe cooker thing that's kind of like the Kamado style big green egg type of thing. And, and, and there, there are times where I'll, I'll go to, to Joe's Meat Market here in town and I'll pick up a, a pack of brisket and I'll, I'll, I'll set it in the fridge and then I'll wake up like about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and I'll, I'll go out and I'll, I'll fire up the grill and and, and, and get the fire going, and then I'll go in and I'll trim up the brisket. I make myself hungry just thinking about this. But I'll, I'll, I'll do all that stuff, and, and I'll stick the, the, the brisket on, on the grill. And then what do you have to do? You have to wait and wait and wait. And, and, and sometimes you, know, you, you open it up. At least I open it up, and I take uh, some apple cider vinegar, and I spritz it. You know, that way it builds up that nice bark on it and everything. And, and you get that whiff and that, that smell. And, and you, you, you want to pull it off and start eating it then, but you know that it's still only at like a 78 or 100 degrees, and it's not safe to eat yet. That's how I feel like what God is doing in the midst of our church. I, I think... Over the past five years that I've been here, I have had those whiffs of, of something amazing that's coming. That, that, that God is preparing us as a church to, to move into a, a new era, if you will, or, or, or a new thing. 
that, that, that once it hits and once we see it, we're going to go, wow, that, that's even better than a, than a, than a brisket. That, that's, that's just going to be so, so amazing. So, th- so that's why I felt like God at this time was telling us that we needed to, to kind of refocus and, and, and rethink about the mission and the vision of our church. And I know we've done this for the past several weeks, but we're, we're going we're gonna to do it for a couple more weeks. I'd like for you to, to join with me as we read the mission and the vision of our church. We'll have it on the screen for you. The, and please join me with this. The mission of our church is... Making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That is just an amazing statement. That, that, that sometimes I don't think we fully grasp the importance of that or, 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 or the, the splendor of that. that. That we have the opportunity to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that we aren't the ones really doing the work, that God is doing that, and God is using us to to advance his kingdom and the work that he has around us, but we get to be a part of that. And and that is just incredible. And and when we make disciples or, or, or grow disciples, then the world gets transformed. You know, I had a, a conversation with somebody this week, and, and they were telling me about activities that, that they had going on Sunday morning. They're just, just things that were they're just outside, just regular, normal, ordinary things just out in the world. And, and I, I will admit, as a pastor, I got kind of upset a little bit. They're like, what, you can't plan better and, and do something not on a Sunday morning so you can get yourself in church? And then I realized, you know what? It's not a competition thing. The minute the church starts to think that we are in competition with something else, we've already lost. How can you be in competition when you have the greatest message of the world? How could you be in competition when, when, when you are able to talk about what it means to have life and life abundantly? How can you say there's any type of competition when you know that you are a part of of a movement that has been around for for 2,000 years that continues to change people's hearts and lives and and draws people to uh, the living life of of who Jesus is? So we're not in competition with anyone We just have the ability and the blessing to share the good news over and over again. So disciples are being made. So the world around us can be transformed. And then as a church, we, we decided, okay, so, so how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make disciples? So we came with our vision. So if you'll share with me in our vision that you'll see on the screen. Our vision is to be gods. You belong here. Worshiping together, serving with heart, growing in faith. That, that, that's how, how we do this. That's how Royce City First United Methodist Church makes disciples for the transformation of the world. Now, I wanted to not just recap what, what worshiping together, serving with heart, growing in faith is about. I wanted us to look at, at ways that we can do this because there are ways that we participate 
in, in, in different activities that allows us to worship together, to serve with heart and, and to grow in faith, and most importantly, to know that we belong to God. And those ways are through the means of grace. And we, we've been talking about what, what the means of grace are, and, and remember, it's anything and everything that can become a channel of God's love for those who are always open to and seeking God. Uh, not necessarily the five that, that we're talking about in the sermon series. I heard somebody, uh, a book that I'm reading by, uh, by uh, Elaine Heave, she was talking about how a friend of hers uh, has a means of grace of ironing. Of all things in the world, ironing. She, she takes that as a way to draw herself closer to God because she has, has this practice is as she lays out the clothing and she gets the iron and, and, and the different things she does as she presses the iron into the cloth and moves around, it gives her the opportunity to be closer to God. And she uses that as an opportunity to allow God to, to be real and, and, and open with her and to let God's love pour in her life. The important thing to remember about means of grace is that it's all about transformation. Transformation of who we are. It's not just doing something so we, we can say that we did something. It is to allow God to transform us right here and now to be in work in his kingdom around us. But most importantly, just to know who God is, to know who God is through the person of Jesus Christ. The theologian Scott McKnight, he uh, recently wrote a book called Pastor Paul, and it was all about uh, Paul's missionary journeys and the work that he has done, and he said that one of the things that Paul would do, he talked about the importance of Christoformity. And that's a fancy word, but what it means, Christoformity means that being in the likeness of Christ. If you read through Paul's letters, you hear all the time how he says that he wants us to have the mind of Christ in our lives so that we know God's perfect will for each and every one of us. So we've been, we've been trying to figure that out. How do we become Christo-formed in our lives? And, and how do the instituted means of grace, those, those five means of grace that we see written in the uh, New Testament, how are these principles help to conform us into the likeness of Christ? So today I think we're going to hit the uh, hardest of the five instituted means of grace, and that is fasting. Nobody likes to do fasting. I had somebody in the early service that came up to me and said, Pastor Chris, I hate to tell you, but the only time I fast is when the doctor tells me it's time for a colonoscopy. <laughs> and I understand that, believe me. Uh, you know, fast, fasting is difficult. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Our scripture for this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, verses 16 through 18. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles where we'll have the words on the screen so you can follow along. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is talking and he says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, 
but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there are uh, three great practices of our faith. There are, there are three things that, that have been passed down all the way from the Old Testament that, that we still participate in as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and those three things that we participate in is prayer, we, we participate in giving, and we participate in fasting. Now, one of those three things we really don't want to do, and I think it's ignored the most, and that is fasting. But, you know, fasting is something that we see that, that, that takes place all throughout the Old Testament. And when we take a look at the New Testament, we see that fasting is mentioned some 30 times within the New Testament. When we take a look at the passage that, that I just read, it's sometimes, you mostly hear this during the season of Lent, or at the very beginning of Lent on Ash Wednesday, and it talks about the importance of remembering that, that we are sinners, and, and that Christ has come to give us life and life abundantly, but we have to move through the cross and the grave before we, we get to that opportunity to celebrate, and, and before then, we 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 remember that we are to fast and we are to remember our, our mortality, if you will. But when we look at fasting, there are several arguments that arise of, of why we don't need to do this anymore as the church. The first one is that, well, fasting was really instituted with uh, the Day of Atonement, and the people of, of, the, of Israel would, would fast on the Day of Atonement as they prepared the sacrifices. And because Jesus paid the price for us on the cross and through his death and resurrection, we don't need to do that anymore. Another way, another argument that people use for that is that, well, there are several passages in, in the Bible that fasting was really important to the early church fathers, so they would add the word fasting to a different prayer. It's like there's a, a story of a boy uh, after Jesus comes down from the mountain of transfiguration, and there's a boy who needs to be healed, and the disciples haven't been able to do that at all. And, and they, they say, they tell Jesus, we've tried, we've done everything that we know what to do, and nothing happened. So then Jesus goes and, and he heals this boy. And they ask him, why were you able to do this? And, and the original manuscript says that only this type of demon comes out by prayer. But church fathers added by prayer and fasting. Not saying that fasting isn't important, but, but they wanted to place a higher emphasis on the necessity to fast. And then there is Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus is talking to some of John's disciples and they look at Jesus and said, well, we notice that your disciples don't fast, but, but John's disciples, we fast, and the Pharisees fast. How come you don't make your disciples fast? And Jesus said, well, because they have me, because I am with them, they, they don't need to do that anymore. And the modern church has taken that to, to think of, well, since we have Christ in our hearts, we no longer need to fast. But that defeats the purpose of what fasting is all about. And it defeats the purpose of what Jesus has told us in our scripture for today. 
Two times in our passage, Jesus says, when you fast. It's the very first three words of our passage, and then in the middle of the passage, he reminds us again, but when you fast. It is a reminder that we, as those who claim the name of Jesus Christ, we continue that practice. Not to say how great or wonderful we are that we are able to do that, but to allow Christ to move into our hearts and our lives so that we can be changed and and we can be transformed into Christ-likeness. So so what exactly does fasting do? Maybe you've you've tried to fast and you've gone, well, I just really didn't feel anything except for a couple of stomach pains. Well, fasting literally empties us so that we can be filled with God's spirit of discernment and authority. A lot of churches and a lot of leaders, when, when they need to make a decision, they will fast because they want to be opened up to God's spirit for discernment and authority, to allow God to, to speak into their lives so they know what Christ's will is for them or for their congregation. When I have the opportunity to fast, I, I, I fast so I can hear what God is calling me to do as a pastor. Fasting also is the primary spiritual discipline that brings us back to our vulnerability. I don't know about you, but if I go without eating, I, I feel vulnerable. I, I want to, to stop whatever I'm doing and, and make my way to the refrigerator and see what I can pull out of the refrigerator or or go to the pantry and grab just a bag of chips and just start eating or looking to see if anybody's left any type of goodies or snacks around the office so I can just put something in my mouth to to quiet that that grumbling in my stomach. But if we truly lived into the fast and we take that moment of vulnerability to allow God to, to speak into our lives and remember that everything we have is a gift from God. And all of the food that we can eat, all of the things that we, we can muster to, to make our lives even more comfortable, we, 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 we need to set those aside and allow ourselves to be vulnerable to the one who loves us and cares for us because we have to remember our identity is that we are God's beloved children. And we have to keep remembering the promises of God. And then we continue to surrender ourselves to God's care. There was something about that word surrender that, that kind of makes us, us chill a little bit. We don't want to surrender. We are, we are the masters of our own domain. And how dare anyone ask me to surrender anything? especially those things that I have worked so hard for. But, but when we fast, it allows us the opportunity to know that we're not the ones really in control. God is. And, and we live into his promises. Richard Foster wrote a book called Celebrations of Discipline. And in that book, he, he wrote this quote. He said, more, more than anything, more than any other d- discipline, Fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image 
of Christ. We, we cover up what is inside us with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. When we fast, when we abstain from things, it, it, it makes us fully take a look at those things that separate us from God. It, it helps us to fully look to see what it is that we can do to, to fully accept God's grace for each and every one of us. Now, I'll give that typical uh, disclaimer about fasting that, you know, you need to make sure that you are healthy enough to fast because there are some people that will, will try that and it, it does not work out well for them. That's why there's something else called abstinence. That fasting is, is the giving up of food, but abstinence is giving up of something else that could help us to experience God's love and grace. The Catholics, they, they practice this mostly uh, during the season of Lent by giving up meat on, on Fridays. It's not a fast because they're not giving up total food, but by saying that we're not going to eat meat on Friday, they are allowing that to be set aside so that God may fill in their life. Abstinence can take place in, in many different ways now for us. Partly is the whole social media or, or news or, or, or whatever activity you like to be involved of to take a break from that, to know that you are not relying on that to fill the emptiness that's in your life, but you are allowing God to fill that emptiness so that you may feel his power within your life. So how? How does fasting help us to reset? Well, first is worshiping. Fasting is all about worship. Fasting is allowing us to show adoration by giving all glory and honor to God. No matter what you have experienced this past year, we have to understand that we are still blessed. And, and we have been given great gifts from God. And, and by fasting from, from certain things, we are saying that we know that God is the one that gives us love and grace and, and helps us to, to move day by day in our lives. Fasting helps us to serve with heart. Because when we fast, it takes the emphasis off of me and, and it places the emphasis on, on others. When, we, when I have fasted in the past and, and I've looked for ways to be in ministry, it allows me to stop and think, you know, I know I have all of my needs taken care of. I know that I have just a, a, a short few steps to, to fill my stomach or I can just open up the, a web browser to, to look at whatever uh, is out there. And, and by fasting and by by uh, taking the opportunity, it allows me to say, how can I be in service for others? And then finally, growing in faith. Fasting helps us to work on Christoformity. To say that I am no longer mine, but Christ dwells inside of me. Or from this quote, fasting is like turning the volume knob down on our flesh and turning it up in the spirit. We gain authority, clarity, and closeness with God to have the opportunity to, to grow as his disciples. Now, I wanted to give a warning that fasting sometimes takes practice. 
Now, I know that there are some people who maybe have only fasted one time and they've had some great religious moments where, where God has spoken clearly to them, but I will admit to you as your pastor, that has not happened to me. And uh, believe me, I, I, I've done long fasts, I've done short fasts, and the times that I see that God will speak to me is after the fact where I'll say, oh, that's what God was doing. That's what God was trying to tell me. Every once in a while, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get a nudge or, or, or just a slight push to do something. And I'll admit, those are very easy to ignore. Those little nudges that you may receive from God. But sometimes they're so slight and simple, you really have to listen. You have to make sure that, that God is, is, is your focus when you are fasting so that you can hear how God is calling you to reach out in his grace and love. Hey, one of the things that I plan on doing or actually actually started to do is uh, doing the act of abstinence with, with social media. Because I could tell you, friends, uh, the past few weeks I have just been ridden with just anxiety just going through my news feed. So I've eliminated all of that and hope to be not do that for over four four weeks. Just because I want to stop taking the time that I have wasted away in social media wondering about what people are saying or thinking and just focus that time on who God is in my life. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see an uh, insert that uh, talks about what fasting is. I got this from a website, I think it's called thewesleyanfast.com. Or if you just type in on your Google search, Wesley Fast, uh, it'll come up. But it gives you an idea of what John Wesley did when he fasted. And he would fast on Wednesdays and on Fridays. And he would have his last meal either on Tuesday night or on Thursday night. And then he would fast all the way until 3 or 4 o'clock that next day. And during that time, he would spend time in prayer and, and, and listening and, and searching for God. It's something that you don't need to do like a full-on Bible study when you're fasting. But if it's helpful, just remember that first prayer that I taught you at the beginning of the series. To, to sit during those times where you would normally eat and say, Jesus, I belong to you. Over and over again. And then to stop and listen to see what God may be calling you to do as his disciple. Invite you to, to try that out, or, or maybe if you can't do the food, just try giving up something during during that period, and just know that whenever you've tried to do that, to allow God to speak into your life. And the other way that I want to challenge you to fast is something to do for next Sunday, a little homework before Communion Sunday next week. A practice that I've always done on, on Sunday mornings, or especially on Communion Sunday, is that I would not have anything to eat until I had Communion. Where I would wait until I came to the table to receive the gift of the bread and of the cup. And let that be the very first thing that I would experience and have as nourishment for me instead of, of, of trying to have something at breakfast or, or, or running by someplace quick to grab something to eat. But to allow 
the body and blood of Jesus Christ to be my first nourishment on that communion Sunday, to allow that nourishment to move me forward into the next week. I invite you to try these things, to, to not to say how good I've been by being able to do that, but to allow the love and grace of Jesus Christ through this particular means of grace, to, to set aside those things that we easily go to for comfort, for peace, for, for distractions, and to allow the word of God to dwell deeply inside of each and every one of us so that we may be faithful disciples of Jesus. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us the opportunity to, to grow as your disciples. We thank you for the many different ways, the different means of grace that we can participate to help us to, to worship you, to serve others, and to continue to grow in our faith. Lord, I, I, I pray a blessing on anyone who steps out in faith to, to fast this week. Allow your Holy Spirit to be with each and every one of them so that when they fast, they feel your presence. That, that when they fast, they hear you call them into deeper discipleship with you. That when they fast, they are able to see ways that they can serve their neighbors and reach out in love, in grace, in peace. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.